Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. I am your host, Doug Winters. It is Monday, July 6th, and I hope everyone had a terrific July 4th weekend. And if you're anything like me, you've watched Hamilton at least three times. Today is episode 64, and I decided to change it up just a bit. Instead of our guests being from either New York or L.A., not that there's anything wrong with that, we decided to change it up and move out to Scottsdale, Arizona, the home of Jennifer T. and Imani Events, which, interestingly enough, does mostly destination weddings, but the destination is Scottsdale, Arizona. So enjoy this delightful conversation with a lifelong Arizonan, and she's going to tell you everything that you'd ever want to know about this magical place. So sit back and relax and enjoy my conversation with the amazing Jennifer T. My grandmother actually used to work for Alice Cooper. And so... No way. Yes. And so we actually have a little bit of history with going to his house. He used to shop at my grandfather's store and buy quintessential Arizona items like bolo ties and things like that. People like Elton John have worn my grandfather's product, I guess. And so, yeah, it's really kind of funny. So then, you know, you've got Stevie Nicks, who's one of his neighbors, and they used to kind of reminisce about the music world and the good old days. And my grandmother has since passed from cancer, but yeah, she had that like little part of her life where she was in with all the stars, I should say, here in Arizona. And you used to be an athlete, right? I used to play basketball competitively, so I also love the sun. Really? Yes. <laughs> no kidding, college or? So, so I golfed competitive, competitively as well. So I was supposed to go to school for golf, but I actually got in a big car accident this summer right before my freshman year. Oh, you're kidding. So ended up staying at home for a year after the car accident and then never really renewed my scholarships because I wasn't able to really practice or play. So I still went to U of A, which is where I was supposed (laughs) to go, but I didn't play anything. But I was a basketball player first and then golfer seconds. Wildcats. Yes, the Wildcats is where I went to school. Ask me how I know that. How do you know that? (laughs) The movie Speed. Oh, yeah. That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that all the West Coast baseball teams used to have spring training in Arizona. I know. know. We don't have to have this big discussion about it, but we're in the middle of the worst pandemic since the 1919 influenza virus that Mm -hmm. killed Mm -hmm. 600,000 people or something. Yeah. What are we up to now? 112,000? Mm-hmm. I just read this morning, which I'm sorry to say, is that Arizona just had a huge spike. Yes. It had more deaths than it's had. Yes. And that we're both in the event industry and you as an event planner and me and as a, a band leader and that we can't do our jobs mm-hmm. because certainly in New York State, you can't have more than 10 people in a room and a gathering at mm-hmm. any time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as someone said, that's including the bride and groom. Try getting a 10-piece band in there. Yeah, I know. It's it, it's kind of interesting. So my husband's actually a high school band director. And so we're kind of like living parallel lives in a sense where both of our livelihoods and our jobs and our passions revolve around gathering groups of people together for a common goal. So when you're talking about pandemic and less than 50 people, less than 10 people, whatever the parameter may be in your state or your community, 
it's impossible. It's impossible to do our jobs. And we're constantly trying to figure out the communication strategy with clients, him with students, with parents, um, because as somebody who is in charge of helping them plan something, or in his case, helping lead the band, they think that we have the answers because they certainly don't have the answers. The news certainly isn't giving them very clear answers. The CDC and the government and whatever is giving us convoluted information that we as non-experts are trying to fish through and figure out the bottom of. And oh, so- Oh, I, I saw Dr. Fauci this morning who said, <laughs> he, he looked like he was gonna put a hole in his head. Oh, I'm you know, sure. He, he said, he said, I thought AIDS was complicated. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this blows it out of the water. He Absolutely. says, I, I, I don't know how we're going to have a second wave when we haven't finished the first. And we're also in the middle of worldwide, worldwide protests. Mm-hmm. As I, I sent you a picture on yes. the other day from Scottsdale. Yes. I was watching Rachel Maddow and she was showing all these towns and cities that you wouldn't think of as having yeah. protests and she was showing you know Utica New York and Scottsdale Arizona and <laughs> you know some tiny you know tiny uh-huh. town in Texas with 6000 people yeah. in it you know and 5000 people are marching mm-hmm. and 90% of them are white chanting mm-hmm. black lives matter mm-hmm. and i just think it's significant to you know a podcast can live forever someone might listen mm-hmm. to this particular episode 6 months from now mm-hmm. when everything's thriving again Mm-hmm. And I just like to set the parameters that if we sound less than enthusiastic yeah. about something, if your husband's a musician, you, he knows. I mean, the only way you can make a living is teaching, playing on Broadway if you're in New York, or playing weddings and, you know, bar mitzvahs and events and corporate events, none of which are open or allowed by law. Mm-hmm. And it is devastating. and. Everything's at a full stop, but it kind of puts everyone on the like a level playing field. Like we're all in the same boat. You know, it's not like you say, okay, well, it's just a New York thing or it's just an LA thing. It's the whole world. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. We've never lived through anything like it's this. It's totally crazy, but it's also a little bit like the wild, 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 wild west, I say, because I mean, I feel like in Arizona, we've already started opening up and some of my colleagues have already started doing weddings. No so, way. Uh, yeah. So everybody has their own interpretation of what's happening with the laws and the CDC recommendations and what they should be doing in different aspects of catering and, you know, entertainment and decor and any of that kind of stuff. I mean, it with dancing even just in particular. So everyone is making up their own rules because there's not a real solid guideline as to what we should be doing. All right. So give me an example. If someone, if someone were to have, all right. So now that I set the scene, yeah. if someone were to have a party, like you said, some of your friends Mm -hmm. have, how did people get on the dance floor and dance with each other. So some venues are, some venues are requiring that there is no dance floor at all. So you can have entertainment, but you can't have any dancing. Oh, like a big cocktail hours. Right. Exactly. Or sit down dinners without any sort of contact on a dance floor. I think because the biggest contributor to the viral spread is water droplets 
that people are assuming that if they are at tables stationary and not necessarily mingling, that you can control the stationary aspects of the wedding. You can control where they're sitting, you can control where they're standing, but you can't control them on a dance floor because the purpose of dancing is to move around. And so um, I think that that's where the venues are making up their own minds. Now, granted, again, it's the wild, wild west. Some venues are saying, yes, we are going to allow a dance floor. Some venues are saying, no, some venues are saying we can have an open bar. Some venues are saying it has to be served to you. Some venues are doing past appetizers. Some, some venues are allowing buffets. So there's different things where it's like, because there's nothing that is consistent. And I've actually petitioned our governor because we need to start making sure that events in the social realm are taken out of the context of events in general, concerts, sporting events, 4th of July events, things like that. But because right now what they're doing is they're, they're giving parameters for large events. And then those are not trickling down to the whole, like, okay, well, I have a hundred person wedding. What do I do about that? Now there's also conflict when the CDC allows flights even sold at 60% that are over 100 people. But yet you're not going to allow an event that in Arizona, we can feasibly do outside separating tables, breathing fresh air instead of recirculated air. And so people start to question that. And we as planners are put in the middle of all of those arguments between clients (laughs) who really want to host their wedding because they're hundreds of thousands of dollars in and vendors and venues who have variable levels of comfortability with what they're doing. So it's interesting. And that is, that is kind of interesting slash depressing. (laughs) 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 And it's really, it's really a nightmare that there's absolutely no leadership, you know, Mm -hmm. from the white house or even from the CDC is now, yeah, it's like a tiger without any claws. It's like, what a CDC guidelines mean. They don't, they don't yeah. even have evidently during Katrina and, you know, you don't even think of things like the CDC or um, hospital ventilators or, mm-hmm. I mean, things that you would, that wouldn't even be in our vocabulary mm-hmm. on a daily basis, like FEMA. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for Hurricane Katrina or wildfires in LA or, yeah, you know, whatever, locusts in Scottsdale. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what do yeah. you guys have in Scottsdale? <laughs> Monsoons, haboobs. <laughs> really? Yeah. But wow. microbursts. I mean, that's about as much weather as we get here. It's not much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does seem kind of perfect out there. Yeah. Um, so is it as, as beautiful as it looks? It is. I mean, and when are you going to invite me and my wife? I mean, come on down as soon as it's safe. (laughs) I'm here and I will make, I'll hook you up with all the good places. Um, Yeah, no, it's beautiful. I grew up in Arizona, so I have an affinity towards desert living. I think you have to really like desert living in order to really appreciate some of the beauty. I know some of our family members who live in greener areas come to Arizona and they're like, why is everyone's yards rock? And like, where's all the grass? And, you know, where's all your trees and things like that? Yeah, when I I think of Arizona, I think of cactus. It is. More so than Texas. 
Exactly. So we have a lot of cactus. We have a lot of, I mean, palm trees were brought in. So you get a little bit of that tropical vibe. But, <laughs> brought in. <laughs> um, they were, they were replanted, but um, we, I mean, it's a great place to live. Now, summer is miserable here, but because of the ebb and flow of what happens, you know, in your school life and your, you know, work life or whatever, Arizonans are kind of in the habit of escaping during the summer. But for the most part, from September to May, it's, absolutely wonderful and gorgeous. So that's why we as a company, I mean, 85% of our clients do not live in Arizona. They're coming to Arizona for destination events. Oh, so I was right. It is a mm -hmm. destination spot. It is. And that's one of the reasons why when I was first researching what area of the wedding industry I really wanted to kind of tackle down, I decided to go into wedding planning because I felt like it was such a huge destination market here that I can do a significant amount of work with clients who aren't familiar with the area, but me as a native, I am very familiar with the area and I can get them um, planned from afar because of my skill set and my personality and my availability. And, so, and physically your boots on the ground. Yeah, you know, you're, I am you're literally the there. Yes. Yes, exactly. You could FaceTime someone and say, well, I'm here at my favorite florist. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of technology has really made our business so much better. I mean, I've been in business almost 17 years, so that technology didn't exist when I first started the business. Zoom was not even a blip on the radar. No one even knew what stuff like this was. I mean, smartphones have really increased our productivity and our availability to our clients. You no longer have to fly here five times in order to do all the things. We can do so much via apps and programs that it really makes it easy for our client you know, to plan something destination-wise. We have traveled out of Arizona to do events out of Arizona, but it's a different planning process. When you are planning an event that you are not physically present in location wise, whether you're bringing vendors to that location or you're working with local vendors, um, that is variable based on the location. And so our process of planning something like that is different than our process of planning something here for sure. So. And it just occurred to me, that would probably be a tremendous financial advantage mm -hmm. to the person. Cause if you're using, I hesitate to use the word local, but I Another person, Allison, connected me with just now was uh, Amy Morella mm -hmm. from Hidden Gardens, and she was talking about, you know, getting flowers from all over the world. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to talk about, you know, local flowers as if yeah. you know, they just pick up from the backyard. Yeah. But, I mean, the fact is that you would literally be able to go and talk to that person or the person can come to your office. Yes. And you could have a virtual conversation with someone. Yes. yes. I think it's very cool. Yeah, Absolutely. So it's just a difference of who's on the other line. You're either sitting with your client virtually talking to a vendor who's in a separate location, or you're sitting with your vendor talking to a client who's in another location. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Switching of the triangle. <laughs> and I would say within the professional field, I do hmm. frequently talk about, we sometimes even call them our frienders because they're friends and they're our vendors, but ah, um, that's a new you one. can call them your creative team. You can call them whatever you want to call them. I mean, when you say party planner, everybody understands what a party planner is. They get it or event planner or wedding planner or whatever it may be. When you start calling yourself a creative director or things like that, well, what does that mean? Are you, are you directing my event? Did, 
are you not planning my event? Like, I think clients do get a little bit confused when there's flowery terminology hanging out there. So we keep it simple. We use the terminology that is as common as can be. And we know our partners know that we're not trying to ever offend them by using a word. <laughs> Deep down, we, we are vendors, I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. We're all... Your subcontractors, your people who are, you know, doing... Subcontractors, your, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just there are so many different ways we can address who these people are in, involved in the wedding. And I think at the end of the day, the client understands the simplest version of that terminology. I mean, most of the time, I just like to say my photographer, my florist, my... Yes, you know, exactly. That kind of stuff, yeah because I come from an athletic background, like we talked about, I always refer to a team because for me, that's also a concept that is easily grasped. We're all a team. We're all doing this together. I'm the coach of the team because I'm calling the plays and I'm making sure everybody's doing the same thing at once. And I always reference when you're looking at a basketball pregame warmup, they're all shooting the ball and everyone's going in different directions. And it seems random. It seems random. Everyone's a professional. They know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing that. But once the whistle's blown, the coach brings everyone together for a common goal and he has the playbook. So I have the playbook. We call the plays. You as a spectator are just enjoying everything. So we're a team. Wow. That's brilliantly put. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's put as bad as, as simply as you can get. I, I can't even add anything to that. It's great. <laughs> The person who introduced me to this industry was a guy named Richard Melman in Chicago okay. who owned half of the restaurants in Chicago. He was in partners with Oprah. He says, the key to a successful restaurant is serving hot food hot and cold food cold. And I've never forgotten that. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I've got a dance floor packed with people and the maitre d' says, okay, sit everybody down. If I blow them off because I say, well, come on. I got a dance floor packed of people. This is what people came for. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, they have spent hours, you know, preparing this incredible ice cream type, mm -hmm. whatever. I, I don't even know the names of the, mm -hmm. the desserts. And by the time they get back to their seats, it's cold soup. Yep. That's always stuck with me all those years. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you recognize that because I feel like as the event planner and the producer behind the scenes, some bands don't understand that packed dance floor is one song away from them being ravenously hungry. And <laughs> you are kind of like walking this really fine line and there's going to be a fracture at some point in which they no longer want to dance and they want to eat immediately. So it's just kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's it's a very fine line. Very about fine that. line. When we plan, we tell people, you know, first we're going to do the venue, then we're going to pretty much tackle photography and entertainment right away. Not only because once you guys are taken out of commission for a weekend, you can't rebook another event, whereas a florist mm -hmm. could do a couple of events a weekend or our invitation yep. person can do many invitations per weekend. But because there is an importance level on what is happening with the entertainment. However, if I have the best band in the world playing outside a dumpster fire, it's not going to be the same event. <laughs> so yeah. similarly, I can have this beautiful room that we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on and there's a subpar band or a subpar DJ or whatever 
and no one's dancing. And no one's dancing. The energy in the room is not the same. The energy comes from many different aspects of an event. The energy comes from the decor. The energy comes from the lighting. The energy comes from the cool creative menu you put on the table. The energy comes from the aha moments when people are served a beautiful meal and when they're hearing their favorite song from high school or college or whatever, that's where the energy comes from. And right, right, good right, events, right. I believe, are full of good energy. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be over the top crazy. But if, it, if all of those aspects are done right and it's energetic for an, an attendee or for the people that we're celebrating, then you have a really good event, so. Yeah, so let's talk about the guest list. Okay. Forget pandemic, forget everything. Let's just talk about what we've been doing. You've been doing for 17 years. I've been doing it for 25 mm -hmm. years. The perfect party, the perfect guest list leaves out whom? Plus ones, second cousins, yeah. business people. Let's say the father's a lawyer and a partner in a firm and has yeah. to invite all the other partners. And In the grand scheme of things, if you wouldn't have people over to your house for a dinner, if you wouldn't feel comfortable calling them when they don't RSVP, if you don't feel comfortable sending them a text message asking them, hey, I can't tell if you ordered the beef or the sea bass or whatever. Like if you don't have the comfortability level in there with you as the host of the party, now granted, bride and groom are inviting people, parents of the groom are inviting people, and parents of the bride are inviting people. And we always understand that. So you as yeah. the bride and groom may not know all the people that your parents are inviting, but if you don't have a comfortability level there with those people who you are inviting, then the comfortability level of you on the actual wedding day is going to be very low, including the people that you invited just because you were trying to be nice at work or whatever. So if you're inviting your boss who you actually are very close with, but then you also invite all of your team members who are underneath that same boss who may not be as close with that boss, they're not going to be comfortable maybe having fun or letting loose or even celebrating you as a couple. They're going to be on edge all the time because they're under the watchful eye of the boss, right? Right. Same with plus ones. I mean, if that's the flavor of the month and they're the only guy who doesn't have a girlfriend or a wife or whatever, fine, let them invite them. <laughs> but if you have a lot of single friends and not a lot of them are in committed relationships and you're already at a 300, 400 person wedding of people who you do know and love, and then you're going to just start inviting all these plus ones. It's going to create a dynamic in which you're not going to be very happy. You're not going to be very comfortable. And we've had situations in the past where the random person who's brought to a wedding is making the bride uncomfortable because maybe what she's wearing or maybe what he wore, like I had one guy who wore like a powder blue suit and he was loud and he was obnoxious and the bride and groom were like, who the hell is that? And that was the plus one? Yeah. So like you have to be really careful about all those people that you're inviting. And we always tell people, know your guest list inside and out because you may invite people who you're like, I'm just going to invite them for fun. And those people are like, hey, we're going to make a weekend out of it and we're going to be there. And you were like, ooh, I only meant to be nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you really, really don't want them there and you really don't want them to be a part of it, just send them an announcement afterwards or something to kind of let them in on the celebration. But I personally, after doing this for so long, see a lot of success in that like 125 to 175 range. I think that's a really good range. 
people are close. We do multiple day events. So we're usually doing a welcome party on Thursday, rehearsal dinner and party on Friday, wedding on Saturday, day after brunch on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And when you have about 150 people coming to your event and you have four days of activities for them to participate in, by Sunday, everyone is best friends. Everyone is comfortable. And on Saturday, your dance floor is packed and popping because people have had two days to get to know the few people they may not know in the crew. And they're all kind of like-minded, been to the spa, they went to yoga, whatever it may be. Now those people feel very comfortable with each other. So I love that range. I, I mean, even down to 75, maybe upwards of 200, but I think right around that 150 is kind of like that sweet spot where all of the kind of periphery fall off and you really are left with the really core individuals. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's, it's funny for me on a different level, the more, the better, mm -hmm. because nothing mm -hmm. beats. Well, you're a performer. You and all those people No, it's not there. even that. It's just that <laughs> no, nothing beats a packed dance floor. Don't you think that wedding planners need to also plan their dance floors accordingly? for bigger groups and smaller oh, groups like that's what a hundred percent oh my god yeah. 100%. so don't have a 30 by 30 dance floor for 75 people at a wedding that just feels really weird <laughs> you know why because if every single person is up dancing let's say it's a jewish wedding and you're doing mm -hmm. a horror every single person is up and the dance floor is still yeah. not packed it's gonna yeah. look Terrible. Well, and vice versa. I did a wedding, um, a Jewish wedding where the florist, because of their designs and their overall look, were convincing the client to have a 16 by 16 foot dance floor. And I'm saying, whoa, hold on. Have you ever how seen wait, a horror with 300 people? And I mean, literally tables were going right up against the dance floor. And I'm like, we're oh, going to have gosh. a disaster here. Like we, and they, they're hanging chandeliers right over where people are going to be in the chairs. I'm like, this is not oh logistically God. going to happen. <laughs> but I think if you create this, this space, a properly sized space, you can also create that energy of a packed dance floor if it is properly sized. I, that, thank you for bringing that. You're the first person that ever brought that up. Oh. And, and I'm so glad that you brought that <laughs> up because I think about that all the time. Do you know Preston Bailey? I don't know him, but so I've been to engage and seen him speak a couple of times. So when I interviewed him, he kind of turned the tables and was interviewing me okay. and was asking me questions that he says, I always wanted to know this. He says, if we're at, let's say the plaza, he says, I, I really like making a circle and then having the dance floor in the middle. So you'll have the band and then a table after table. And then in the middle, you'll have a dance floor. And okay. I said, terrible. And it, he says, why? I said, okay, the people in the tables right in front of the band are going to think that the band's too loud. Mm -hmm no matter what, mm -hmm. because it is just to get the sound onto the dance floor. There shouldn't be anything in between the band and the dance floor. Mm -hmm. And he says, why? Wow, I just never thought of that. Yeah. There's a rub between trying to do things that are creative and outside of the box decor wise. What is logistically going to produce an amazing event? I do see that rub. Okay, give me, give me an example. Well, I think what Preston was saying, like there, that's a, that's a different kind of concept of having yeah, a round yeah. circle. Right. And I think for some people that's exciting to them. And I would say for mm -hmm. me after 17 years, like I'm always trying to think of 
what can we do differently to make this wedding more exciting for this couple? Yeah. I mean, I'm working at a venue that I've worked at 50 million times and every wedding is set up the same way. Is there a different way we can do this? And sometimes there is a different, more creative, fun way. For example, one of our resorts, the Four Seasons here locally, one of the things that I kind of pioneered for them was flipping some spaces and having dinner al fresco and going inside for like a dancing segment. And that was years ago that I helped modify their space and their thinking. This is the Four Seasons Scottsdale. Yeah, Four Seasons Scottsdale. So for those of us who have to Google oh, it sorry. You know, after you're done talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Four Seasons Scottsdale, beautiful location, beautiful resort. And what they have going for them is their outside view and what they can offer clients as far as dining outside. So putting everybody in a ballroom, which is what I did for the first couple of years, you know, people would get married outside, have the ceremony outside, and then we would all go into the ballroom for dinner and dancing. I mean, that was just kind of how we did it for the first couple of years of my career. And then after that, I was like, it's such a shame. I mean, we have this beautiful outdoor location. The weather is 75 and sunny. Why shouldn't we stay out here for longer? And then just create these indoor experiences for the band that can really kind of create this energy instead of some people sitting and eating and the bands having to play around that schedule. Mm -hmm. So I think those kind of maybe different outside of the box, which now seem a little bit more run of the mill, but at the time it wasn't that kind of thing can happen logistically and meet the needs of the band and the dance floor spacing wise. But sometimes there's a rub between people who just want to do something to be different. Like for example, I was at another venue and they're like, well, we normally put the DJ here in the corner and then we do this and this and this so that the, I mean, what you were saying, the DJ is way over here. The dance floor is like, in the middle and then the tables are surrounding it there's no connection with the dj and the dance floor <laughs> right she's explaining to me why why they like to do that and it's all for the flowers and again i get it flowers can be beautiful if you do this big circular motion and there's movement and tie-in and all of that kind of stuff but after the initial awe because again i like to think about energy after that initial awe, when someone walks into the room and they're like, this is mm -hmm. gorgeous, then they're going to sit at their table and they're going to be like, now what? <laughs> right? So there's only that like 10 uh. minutes of initial awe. And then the rest of the four or five hours, however long that reception is, six hours, is going to be dependent upon the logistical connection between our entertainment and what the guests are experiencing. So it's like a Broadway show that's all costumes yeah. and scenery. Mm -hmm. And then you, then you sit for two hours. Absolutely. And, where's I, the dialogue now? I actually <laughs> remember talking to Ed Libby at Engage when it was here in Scottsdale about the logistical side. I actually like logistics. I like to think through logistics. I feel like I have more of a producer mindset when it comes to that. I also mm -hmm. really love design and flowers and linens and all of that kind of fun stuff. But when it comes down to it, I never sacrifice the logistical nature of it to the fun stuff. And I think because of that, our reputation here in Arizona with all of our frienders has been really good because I understand what everybody who is a player on the team needs and we provide them those needs and we never expense one person's needs in order to elevate something else Someone in the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. That all, it all has to work together, you know, and let me, I was going to ask you about that yeah. son of alfresco feeding yeah. and, and then 
having a blowout party inside. From a musician standpoint, do you have the band or whomever have like a jazz trio outside or in the summer it could be, you know, reggae music? Yeah. Yes. So we typically try to look at all of the different areas and fill different types of music. Again, keeping the energy really building. So mm -hmm. your ceremony, maybe it's a harpist, maybe it's a string trio, maybe it's a Spanish guitar player, whatever it may be, it's usually a little bit more sentimental music happening for a ceremony. And then you get to the cocktail yeah. hour where you'll have really something a little bit more upbeat. Maybe now it's a piano player with a saxophone, or maybe it's that same Spanish guitar duo, but they've added in a fiddler or whatever it may be. You're mm -hmm. building upon that in the cocktail hour, but I always know from a logistical standpoint, it can't be the same people because we have somebody who's playing here. Exactly. That's what I was getting at. With a sound yeah. system and someone who's playing here with a different sound system and setup. And so all these setups need to be rocking and ready to go. Or a keyboard that has to break down 15 minutes before and go into Correct. the main room. So it's got to be a Correct. different guy or a different. Correct. So then with our idea of flipping different spaces so that you can utilize the same beautiful ceremony space for maybe an alfresco dining experience, we then will utilize whatever was there prior to and make that a little bit better. Like you were saying, maybe a jazz trio or something else along those lines. Then when they go inside is kind of their first experience with the big band all put together. And you know, what's also interesting is that if you do have what I'm picturing is perfect yeah. Scottsdale weather, when everybody goes in to dance, let's say you're having 200 people, mm -hmm. 40 of them want to stay outside. Yeah. So you might want to keep that trio or yeah. something else. So actually, I'll be honest with you, because yeah. we've been doing this now for quite a long time. Yeah. That energy we create, we normally transition things very purposefully. And so a lot of times we're transitioning from dinner to an indoor dancing experience. And again, we only do that about maybe 50% of the time. Mm -hmm. The other 50% of the time, everything is in one area, dance floor, dining, etc. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. in those experiences where you do transition from a dining only experience to a dancing only experience, whatever you want to call them, after parties or whatever, we will do something where the bride and groom will get up and they'll thank everyone for being there. Hey, let's continue to party inside. Then we'll have, you know, maybe fireworks going off like right at that transition that creates kind of a aha moment. We have the cake cut maybe under the hoopah where they got married. And so we light it underneath the stars and they'll do the cake cutting under the hoopah and then they'll oh, go wow. inside for actually servicing the cake. So then all your little grandma and grandpas, they're running inside because they're going to get the cake, right? So like you create <laughs> this experience or we've done sparkler entrances instead of sparkler exits before where we've had people go line up and so that everyone goes into the dance floor with these sparklers versus the bride and groom leaving a wedding with a sparkler. We've had drum lines take everyone from dinner. They would actually play and like surround the dinner experience once or twice and say, all right, everybody follow me. Oh, you know what you can have? What? You could have like a Dixieland band. Yeah, absolutely. That would be beautiful. Like Zydeco music or something. I love that. So we try to transition them so that actually entertainment wise, there is a strong transition. It is a pretty cut and dry. Oh, so you, so you do that. I do. I've done a couple of parties. I mean, some amazing parties. And it was just my frustration. Mm -hmm. But 
we were outside on the porch and then people would go inside to eat. It was the opposite. It was at a yacht club on the Long Island Sound and it was gorgeous, but getting people outside, you have to make a big announcement saying, all right, everybody has to come outside because we do the parent dances. You know, it's, it just feels cumbersome. So I love that idea mm -hmm. that you pre-thought that, you know, you've had a, a mariachi mm -hmm. band or a, a sparklers or the waiters you know, helping to escort people in. Yeah. And we save all the dances mother, daughter, father, son, first dance, we save all of that for inside because again, it kind of creates this, okay, if mom and dad are moving inside, all their friends are moving inside too. If the bride and groom are moving inside, all of the bridesmaids and all of their friends are moving in too. Mm -hmm. So you kind of create, if you do like half and half, like some people I have seen do like some of the dances outside, some of the dances inside, it doesn't create uh. this cut and dry movement. And again, I just really like logistics. So I think about myself as the guest as at an event, whenever we think of outside of the box ideas. And I'm like, how am I going to feel about having to do boom, 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 outside, out on a patio, inside to eat, out on a patio, inside to eat. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. I can. That's, that's what I had. I had two parties in the same summer last year and they were two of my favorite clients and I just loved them. And I never said a yeah. word to them about it. Not even afterwards. Yeah. And one I had actually had on the podcast, this beautiful girl, and I'll send you that one too. Yeah. And I never mentioned to her that it was a freaking nightmare <laughs> all night. You know, it's like, how are we going to get people out? You know, what are we going to play to yeah. guarantee that people come out? But, and it was in the summertime, so they had the doors closed. Yep. So how loud do we play? Yep. And how annoying is that? <laughs> you know, it's like. Well, and you have to think about even new things like photo booths and maybe even just like these huge bar setups that have kind of become trendy over the last 10 years or so, you have to strategically place all of that stuff. All right. Like what? Like, what like do you, mean, these huge you know, they, people just create these big, massive, beautiful bars. We do it too. We build them out and you put them in a specific location and then they can't be moved because they're so big. Right. Okay. And so if you're moving your party from one space to the next and that one space is where your bar is and it's not far from where the party is. So you just have people always walking outside to go to this beautiful bar you built. Then you're taking people away from the dancing because they're all going to just be hanging out at the bar. Yes. Same with your photo booth. If you put your photo booth in a location that is not close in proximity to the dancing, then you're going to have huge groups of people out at the photo booth and then groups of people on the dance floor. We, if you have a cigar roller, we've done that before where like you have someone. So then you have a cigar roller doing that. I always tell my brides and grooms, the party's about you. This goes to the guest list. This goes to the dancing. Every single person in that room should love mm -hmm. one or both of you. Well, mm -hmm. they shouldn't be there. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's where it goes mm -hmm. to the guest list. That's my thought. You know, that's why I said, you know, second cousins and plus ones and the, your bosses. And it's like, this, you have to tell me if I'm wrong to say this. In order for me to be successful, you have to be on the dance floor. Absolutely. Especially the bride, because you're the only one in a big white dress. Yeah, you're most recognizable. Just so you know, because I'll say something similar, like, hey, if you guys are on the dance floor, the guests will be on the dance floor, and then the clients will come back and say, oh, but we're not, we're not big dancers, so we don't really like to dance. Right. And then when I get to their wedding night and they're dancing all night, I hire that band, <laughs> I hire that DJ over and over and over again because that's funny. Then if you are a dancer, you're going to be, you know, even more pleased with music. And I mean, 
similarly, I've had some bands. We had this one band from Las Vegas and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, there's entertainers galore in Vegas. This has to be a good band. And they were <laughs> terrible, but luckily the clients themselves were just, you know, having a heyday. And so the party <laughs> oh, was awesome. Cool. And so I was like, well, they saved their own wedding because that piano was out of tune and this and this and this, and I'm a musician too. So I, I can tend to be a little picky, but yeah, I, I love it when the clients are like, oh, I can't dance. And then the band just brings it out of them. So, yeah, that's um, great. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So how is, how is a wedding in Scottsdale different from a wedding in Beverly Hills or on Fifth Avenue at the Pierre or mm -hmm. you know, Temple in Livingston, New Jersey? Yeah, it's the outdoor nature because the Phoenix metro area, which includes Scottsdale, just enjoys the outdoor surround. And part of the reason you get married out here is because of the scenery, because of the location. And so we do weddings for a lot of New Yorkers because it's so different here than in New York. Um, same in Chicago, um, even places like San Francisco, Canada, just a lot of those people. You know, it's funny you're mentioning places that have a lot of cold weather. Yes, absolutely. And so then they come out here. But what I find the most funny is we, uh, we had a client who's from Boston and they were like, my family have never seen a saguaro cactus. So they're just like driving down the street and they see a saguaro and they're like, because we're Arizona is the only place where the saguaro lives. What's that? The saguaro? Saguaro cactus, the ones with like the arms. Oh, I didn't know it had a name. I just thought all cactus look like that. I mean, there's prickly pear cactus, which is like the little paddle version of cactus. They got out the car and they took a picture by the cactus. So then the bride and groom were like, we have to make sure that we get a picture by a cactus. That's so, <laughs> so funny. It's just funny. So I think, you know, we live in a very picturesque state. And we've done weddings. I mean, I've done weddings in Chicago and even the suburbs of Chicago, just because we'll do a sister's wedding out here in Arizona. And then the other sister loves us, but doesn't want to have an Arizona wedding, wants to get married at their country club back home or whatever. Um, we've done the city. We've, we go to California quite a bit. I mean, California, most of, most of the time, the reason we're going out there is because someone wants an ocean. Um, so you mm -hmm. have to same with like Cabo or Cancun or Hawaii. I mean, they want the ocean. So it's similar to Arizona in the sense that they want this like outdoor right. experience. But when you're going to places like Chicago for me, uh, New York, I mean, we just don't do ballrooms as much out here in Arizona. We don't have a lot of standalone venues that are just like event centers or event venues. We have oh, some. Oh, that's interesting. But yeah, but we don't have a lot that are just like, hey, we're just an event venue and we just do weddings and events and corporate and over and over and over again. Most of our venues are hotels, golf courses with some sort of country club on them. Yeah. Um, country clubs are actually great because yes, they... We love them. They tend to have several <laughs> locations. Yeah. You can have the ceremony by the pool mm -hmm. and then you can have the cocktail hour mm -hmm. in the tennis courts or whatever yes. you know and then then move inside for the ballroom you know? and our our resorts are set up like that out here in arizona so we don't have big buildings where there's a lot of rooms in one building 
Most of our oh, resorts okay. are spread out where there's like maybe a building of like four rooms and then you go down a little pathway and there's another building of like four rooms. Then you go down a little pathway. <laughs> maybe there's maybe there's like one or two buildings that are like a U shape around a pretty little courtyard or maybe there's like two long buildings where there's like a really pretty green grass area in the middle. So we'll have some that have like bigger buildings, but not like downtown Phoenix where there's just like big tall buildings maybe the ballrooms on the seventh floor. Oh, so it might be New York or Chicago. Else. It doesn't really matter where you yeah. are. Yeah, we just don't, we don't have a lot of that out here. Most of our resorts are, are expansive resorts. They're more like when you go on vacation to a destination where you're enjoying the surround. So your room is a little bit more secluded from other rooms. That also just occurred to me, why would anybody have a destination wedding if it's just gonna be in a ballroom? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To spend more money? Um, I think to fly people places. And... Yeah. So I don't do a lot of destination weddings that are in a ballroom. When we do ballroom weddings, I'm catching on is, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. The ballroom is there as a facility because you live in a space where you know there are going to be 300, 400 people coming to your wedding. So that's just the facility that can hold all of your people, and that's your local ballroom that you love that had the right size ceilings, the right color carpet, the right chandeliers, whatever it may be. And it's be. perfect even so. if it's raining outside. Absolutely. No inclement weather. I mean, we do a lot of our cultural weddings in ballrooms. I would say um, Indian weddings in particular, just due to size, um, sheer size. Oh, Indian weddings. Oh my God. Yeah. They're always huge. Always huge. And then um, just, we have different setups that we have to be doing over multiple days. I mean, most of our Indian setups are happening five days in advance and the space has to be completely sealable from uh -huh. weather and from guests and from foot traffic. So that's right. where a ballroom really comes in handy. Right. Do you do any celebrity stuff? Um, we do more with athletes than I would say celebrities. We have some here in Arizona, but not nearly as many as places like New York, LA. Right. But we do a lot of athletes, a lot of major league baseball players because they all have homes here for spring training. Oh yeah, that's right. We are involved with some of the, I've done three or four Cardinals weddings. I did Kurt Warner's daughter's wedding. And then I did Kurt Warner's hall of fame events in Canton, Ohio. So I would say more athlete. That is a oriented. good looking guy. Yeah. He's very nice too. I will say him and his, he seems family. like he, he was with the Giants for a while. I just thought he was great. Yeah, he is. He is. So, yes, yeah, so I would say athletes is probably golfers. We, I mean, again, because Arizona has a lot of golfers. So. Right. Yeah, that's, that's right. A lot of, there's a lot of golf courses yeah. out in Arizona. Absolutely. Right, isn't there? Absolutely. Is it terrible that I only watch golf when Tiger's playing? No. <laughs> I think that's why everyone <laughs> wanted Tiger for so long to play because they got a lot of ratings. Have you ever been in the gallery of, of, you've probably played a bunch. I've been to plenty of tournaments. I mean, we go to waste management open here all the time. Um, oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Which I think is the worst name of all time. <laughs> well, 
It used to be the Phoenix Open. I know. But then that's right, the Phoenix Open. Yeah, but then waste management took it over. I still sometimes call it the Phoenix Open again because I'm a local. So I've been I used sure. to yeah. I used to work for ESPN keeping score at its individual holes when I was in high school. I mean, I've been going to that forever. But yeah, we've been to tournaments quite a bit. Again, I've had some athletes that are golfers who we've done their weddings and they're in the open here and they get all the way to the end and you're wanting to cheer them on. So I'll usually go on like Saturday or Sunday just to kind of cheer them on. But yeah. Oh, that's fun. Mm -hmm. It's really fun. Do they leave you tickets at least? I mean, between your hospitality connections, my husband's music, connect I don't ever really pay to go. I usually get a ticket in somewhere. So I know it's, it's funny. <laughs> Once you reach a certain level and you know enough people, yeah. the idea of paying for tickets is like, what do you mean? What? <laughs> <laughs> you know? This ticket to Hamilton costs fifteen hundred dollars. Oh yeah. my god! I got to you know, know I somebody. Need, thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. Um, has anybody ever told you? I mean, you're a beautiful woman, but oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, the you have the, when you smile, you look like Kristen Bell. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I was actually going to answer that for you before you even said it. Really? So yeah, I do tell people. Or I had one wedding. It was so funny. They were. Well, she's a little more pale than you. you right. Know, I mean, very, I'm. Yeah. I've been working out outside because of the quarantine, so I've got more color than I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> but um, well, if you're golfing, you're outside old. That's you know, true. That's by true. definition. That's true. Yeah. But um. But you're wearing a visor. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I just remember this one wedding. So I get Kristen Bell all the time. Now after, oh, three, that's funny. after three kids, I'm a little bit heavier than her, but when I was younger, I definitely got it more so. Um, <laughs> but I had this one wedding where the bridesmaids kept fighting and bickering over who I looked more like Kristen Bell, or I think the other one was Malene Ackerman. And so they were like fighting oh, over that. It was so love Ackerman. I know. She's beautiful. And so everyone kept fighting over it. And I just thought it was funny. So then the bride was like, can you settle this for us? Like, who do you think you look more like? And I was like, <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, they're amazing women. I just, I get Kristen Bell more often than Melina Ackerman. And so they were like, oh my gosh. So she's also a lot more famous. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. Is she American, Melina Ackerman? I don't know. I don't even, I think she might be Dutch or something. Yeah, she looks like it. She kind of has those eyes. Yeah, I don't know. European. She's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But is there a more all-American girl than Kristen Bell? I know. I kind of love her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've I watched too. everything she's... she's ever been in. I love The Good Place. I thought that that show was brilliant. I listened to her husband's podcast, The Armchair Expert. It's really good. Dax. Yeah. Love Dax. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> Well, Jenny, thank you so much. This has been terrific. Oh, it's so fun. Thank you. And it's the first time I ever told anybody. It drives my wife crazy. She says, why do you think everybody looks like everybody else? And finally, I got a good one that you might appreciate being an athlete. You ready? Okay. Omar Epps. Okay. And Mike Tomlin. Okay. The, the coach. coach. Are they not the same face? Yeah, they do look similar. I can see it in my head. Yeah. And did you watch the Michael documentary that was on ESPN? Yeah, it was so good. And he was so well-spoken throughout the entire thing. And I thought it was cool because he was vulnerable in telling some of the stories as well. He looked like he was about to cry half the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was a side that 
none of us have ever seen. Exactly. And he did seem like one of those people who I think just worked really hard to get where he was at. You know, I thought that that was really cool. So my favorite Michael Jordan story was that he was cut from his, the varsity team when he was a sophomore. I know. And instead of saying, okay, I'm a loser, I suck. Mm -hmm. He just went home and practiced, you mm -hmm. know, nine hours a day. Yeah, absolutely. And God, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And even the things that he did, you know, pushing everybody else. <laughs> I saw Jalen Rose and they say, well, if, if he was, you know, teasing you and pushing you and, and, and harassing you and he says, if the end result was getting a ring, I played professional basketball for 18 years. He says, I would kill for a ring. Mm -hmm. He says, so if I had Michael Jordan on the team and he was telling me that I was an asshole, I don't care. Yeah. I say, okay, Mike, <laughs> what do you need me to fix? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he says, I might hate it at the time, I but know. I would love that guy for life. Yeah, I know. And I mean, Fascinating that, guy. That's, I mean, it is. And I think at the end of the day, it goes to show like that there's a certain level of work ethic that can go into anything, anything you do anything I mean we do and so you work hard enough and you're you stay driven and you stay focused and you don't let all of this noise outside of you detract you then you can be successful with the right team see there you go yeah. what a perfect way to end this wrapped it all up <laughs> that is great and thank you so much to our mutual dear friend yes Allison I'm going to text her that we did our thing. <laughs> oh, you did? I'm going to. I'm going to. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, what's funny. I texted her said, oh, my God, what is Jenny's last name? Because on your website, it says Jennifer. It doesn't even say I Jenny. I know. I know. <laughs> and then the last name is not easy to figure out how to pronounce. And she said, it's pronounced T, mm -hmm. like T-shirt. That's right. So we, should, we should call her right now, <laughs> actually, together. <laughs> you know, if I could figure out how to do this on Zoom... Do you mind if I do this? Hang on a second. <laughs> Good. You know what? You should text her and tell, and tell her I'm sending her a link. So where is that last name from? T-H-Y-E. That is German. So there, my husband's side of the family is from Hamburg, Germany. And when they traced it back, originally the name was T-H-I-E. And in German, you don't like make a sound with an H. And then whenever you have two vowels by each other, like I, E, you pronounce the long vowel version of the second vowel. So you only would pronounce the T and the E. So it's just T. And then somewhere along the lines of immigrating to America, they change the I to a Y, but you still, because Y is technically a value, all the rules still work. Uh -huh. The Y-E sound you only see. See, who e. knew that? Well, and my maiden name is also German, Malmeister. And so it's same thing, M-A-H-L. So you don't really know that there's an H in there. And then Meister, M-E-I. So when you have the E and the I, you pronounce the second vowel, long vowel. So Meister, instead of like Meester or yeah, whatever yeah, 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 yeah. you would say in English by making the combo. So when you make reservations so, at a restaurant... Yeah. You just have to tell someone T-E-E, -E. T-E, like golf tee. Did Allison call back? She says, ha ha, am I joining? <laughs> yeah, just, just for fun. Yeah, tell her just for fun. Okay. Are, are you sending her the link? I did already. I, I tell her I sent it five minutes ago. Okay. 
<laughs> she says, K coming. <laughs> That's so funny. Joining. Ah! <laughs> there she is. I, I couldn't resist. How are you? <laughs> Good, how are you? I'm very impressed you look that cute on like a whim. Damn, you do. <laughs> no, no, you... I had an, I had, no, no. I had a, uh, a, a different podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I was going to tell you that. <gasps> I, we were ending our, our podcast and I was telling Jenny, I said, you know, it occurred to me that I know you use Jenny because Allison said, you have to call my friend Jenny and her website only says Jennifer. And there's no last name. So I said, what is Jennifer's last name? <laughs> so she says it's T-H-Y-E, but pronounced T. And I said, yep. so I'm writing, how does that work? And you said, love to chat, but I'm on a podcast in Paris. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. And I That's know fun. that you speak four languages. I do. Were you speaking in French? No, it was in English. His whole shtick is that it's the only wedding-centric podcast in France that's done in English. So, oh, it's in English. Tell him to call me. <laughs> He's so nice. He was so nice. He was great. That's fun. Yeah. I, was I said, let's get Allison on this. I Wait a minute. We're on Zoom. You can have more than... You can have as many people as you want. <laughs> so, here's what I know. You ready? Party. Jenny was a, a golfer competitive golfer mm -hmm. and basketball player, but had an yep. injury her senior year mm -hmm. of high school, but still went to University of Arizona, but really couldn't competitively play. And that parties in Scottsdale, you'd like to use the scenery like you would in California to the oceans. Sure. Speak up, Jenny. Come on. That's me in a nutshell. You know, so. <laughs> Jenny's like the biggest badass I know. So. That's actually literally what Allison had written to me. She says she oh is, she's, she's a force, right? <laughs> well, I could say I the see. same about her. That's a, so. that's a quote. She says, she says she's a force. <laughs> you are a force. She's such a badass. I love you. I miss you. It's the longest I've gotten since we've met. I feel like this is the longest we've gone without being together. I know. It's true. How do you guys know each other? We met on a fam trip. Like on a trip. Yeah. Oh, this is one of these things that you're always telling me that I have to be part of, right? Yeah. Like engaged? The family, yeah. Well, we both do attend engaged, but we actually don't know each other from engaged. Yeah. Right. Our friend Katie, who's a honeymoon planner, travel planner, um, put us together on a Wait, trip. Is a separate Nampa. thing called a honeymoon planner? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a travel concierge and yeah, she we used to call plans it a, a travel lot of our agent, honeymoon. Right? It, it is a travel <laughs> agent. She specializes in honeymoons. And then they also help us with like, you know, setting up room blocks, room blocks. Stuff for our clients. So she put together a trip and we, okay. so we met in Napa. So she's another vendor. Yeah. yeah. She's great. Yeah. Or Jenny yeah. calls them frienders. 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 <laughs> Creative partners. Yes. She is as wonderful as you said, Allison. And thank oh. you so much. Uh, yeah, of course. Oh gosh, you both. I mean, made my day. <laughs> Wait, so tell me, tell me what the French uh, podcast was about really quick. It's called, it's called the French Wedding Podcast. France has a very specific view on weddings. So it's very different from the American wedding ideology. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, in what way? Yeah, I have to hear um, Must choose. I think they sort of like, 
<laughs> no, they, there's a lot of Jews in France, actually. Um, it depends on the, the part of France you're in. The idea of like the American wedding is just like very off-putting to French, I think. And so it's like very much about like the civil portion of it in France. And the kind of overly conceptualized party isn't so much of a French thing. I'm like, they do a meal and it's more like a toast. It's just like very much less of a, an experience than it is here. But they, you know, they do have a lot of places where they host American weddings in France. But he said that he always thinks it's interesting to hear the American perspective because it's so idealistic to like be and romanticize to do a wedding in France and like all the things that we love about it. And they're like, well, we just think it's like kind of like boring and normal. Yeah. <laughs> and we think everything about America is new and yeah. know, fresh. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, you know, you know, one person always wants what the other person yeah. has. Is it, get, is it gettable in, can you find it on Apple or Spotify? Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A French wedding podcast. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad we're advertising other people's podcasts. We were talking You're about, we were talking about Dax Shepard before. and uh, Armchair Expert is my favorite. Yeah. Because well, he told me that I look like Kristen Bell. And so it got us down this like whole little line. Yeah. And that's the first time I've ever told, it drives my wife insane that I always think everybody looks like someone else. And you never know if it's going to be insulting to the person. What if they think that that person's Kristen ugly? Bell's not insulting. I know. It's, yeah. Kristen Bell is like perfect. But I said, you really do look like Kristen Bell? And she says, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten that for She years. does. Well, I've gotten it for years. That's more what it, I just have gotten her. Oh, oh, I even got the whole story when when she was, before her, she had kids and she was skinnier. She looked like, even more like her. <laughs> yes, I did tell you that. Now, mind you, I only meet people and people only meet me from the neck up. Keep in mind. Yeah. I'm, by the way, I'm wearing shorts. Yeah. Oh, I so am I. So <laughs> Yeah, we saw you. It's like 97 here. Holy hey, which is nothing yeah. for Jenny, but oh, I know it's, really it's hot. hot. Is, is that total crap when they say that it's hot, but it's a dry heat, so you don't feel it? No, that's not crap. I would say the dry heat here is definitely a positive. Because I've gone to places like that have extreme humidity and it could be 90 degrees with the humidity and I'm dying. I'm literally like, I'm yeah, but the dry heat is very manageable. In it fact, just doesn't like make your whole body miserable. Like I feel like when you're <laughs> like, it's the thing about the East coast summers, it's like, it like hangs low on your body with that, yeah. that like mugginess. Yeah. And in the dry heat, like it, you can breathe it a little bit better. Even in 110 to be outside for an hour is more pleasant than it is on the East coast. And I, 85. And I think you acclimate to it faster. So we've had like a couple of 110 days this past Literally month. Literally a hundred, mm -hmm. 110 degrees. Yeah. And so then when it gets to like 93, 95, Feels you're cool. like sitting outside eating. Cause you're like, ah, oh, it's nice. It's true. It's so. so true. We do events outside in like Vegas sometimes in the heat because people, I mean, we put like misters and things. It's just like really not yeah, that big of a deal. Yeah. Vegas weather's similar to us for sure. You guys are so fucking cool. I can't stand it. <laughs> Oh man, you're funny, Doug. <laughs> well, I I love you, Allison. You know that. And Jenny, Likewise. I hope you're my next best friend. Hey, let's do it. And uh, this has been get great. in line, Doug. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, but I, I think I get in with the Kristen Bell thing, and then 
and then it went to Dax Shepard, <laughs> you know, so. Um, oh so, ladies, thank you so much for everything. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye, guys. We'll talk guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Allison was a guest on the podcast actually 20 episodes ago, episode 44. So if you haven't yet subscribed, please do so and catch up with amazing interviews like my conversation with Allison. Have a great week. I will see you on next Monday. As always, you can reach me on Instagram at Doug Winters Inc. Please stay safe, stay healthy, wear masks. Please wear masks. It's not that big a deal. We're all in a rush to get back to what we all do best weddings, events, parties, dancing. <laughs> I'll see y'all next week. Bye bye now.